five, four, three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Across Bucket podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, beginning our fall content here now as we enter the month of October. Here in the beautiful bluegrass, doesn't feel like fall yet. Doesn't, you know, we don't have the, the leaves on the ground completely. Uh, but teams are a month, some two months into their fall workouts, a month and a half, I should say, into their fall workouts. We're going to get some scrimmages coming up here later this month, starting, actually, I believe this weekend. Um, we'll have my fall top 10 out uh, sometime this week, just as I did a year ago, we will certainly have a podcast on that, uh, my fall top 10. Uh, we will also be doing uh, kind of a similar thing to last year, a little different though, uh, in terms of the fall snapshot, continuing that series on the website, lacrossebucket.com, but, uh, and that's in written form, but we'll also have that on the podcast side as well. We did a, a, a select number of teams last year on the podcast. You know, we did Notre Dame, did Duke, did you know, Virginia, Maryland, all the big teams there on the podcast uh, last season, uh, last fall. We'll still continue to do that. Uh, may not do as many teams as we did last year, but certainly we'll hit the ACC, the Big Ten, the Ivy, uh, th- those top 20, top 25 teams, th- those teams that will be competing on Memorial Day weekend or will be looking to be competing on Memorial Day weekend will certainly get covered. And that's what we're going to start with here today. A uh, little fall look here at the North Carolina Tar Heels who, you know, looking through uh, the college across world, might be one of the more uh, curious cases uh, as we head into the 2024 season, uh, not only in the ACC, but uh, across the college lacrosse landscape as a whole. Um, you know, the Tall Heels, this is a you know, really a storied program. You know, you've got six national championships, you have got a boatload of, you know, final four appearances, championship weekend appearances, you've gotten a a boatload of NCAA tournament appearances, uh, you know, 33 times they've been there uh, in, in, in what, 50-something years of the NCAA tournament being a thing. Like, this has been one of the more successful programs, obviously a bigger name program, like North Carolina in the ACC, um, you know, one of the best conferences, if not the best, in college across year in and year out. Um, but North Carolina has dipped. North Carolina has dipped, and, and this is not um, this is not a secret. I mean, you look at uh, the Tar Heels under Joe Brescia, and even you know, go back to 
2007, which was the second to last year of the John Hawes era, they made the quarterfinals. They made the first round of the next year, the NCAA. They made the tournament every year from 2007 to 2017. All but two of those were under Joe Bresci. 2016, North Carolina finally gets over that hump they had been unable to get over since, you know, really 1990, uh, 1991 was the, the last title for them until 2016. They win that national title that year, um, and they go 8-8 eight and eight the next year. They're 500 in 2017, but they still make the first round. They have that incredible game against Albany in the rain at Albany in the first round there. Uh, and then you've got 2018, they go 7-7. Seven and seven. They missed the tournament. They missed the tournament in 2019, they go 8-7, and seven, barely over 500. They are you know, 2027-0 when things get shut down and looking pretty good. You've got Chris Gray there. You've got uh, a, a, a defense that is looking better, right? 2021, things things hit. 13-3, and three, championship weekend. You go 4-2 and two in the ACC. It's your best showing in the ACC since 2016. But 2022-2023, we know what happens in those years. They're one of the worst teams in the ACC. They go 8-6 and six in 2022. They go 7-7 seven and seven in 2023. And look, this is a uh, little stat. I've mentioned this last year, I believe. It's a little worse this year. 58-38 and 38 overall since winning that national title, North Carolina is. However, they're only 9-21 and 21 against ACC teams in that same time frame. That is... If this was a college football program, that is fireable. Joe Bresci, however, has been extended through 2026. June 30th, 2026 is when his current contract expires. His former contract was set to expire June 30th, 2023. North Carolina, after this season, says we're going to re-up you, we're going to extend you, and they do that. The rest of the staff, however, is overhauled this offseason. Overhauled in a big way. You've got Dave Metzbauer, offensive coordinator, who we talked about when it happened. The offense really wasn't ever the problem here at North Carolina. I mean, they've been pretty good. He and the program part ways. And Dave Metzbauer is now at Denver. John Thompson comes in from Air Force to be the new O.C. there in Chapel Hill. Bresci also makes a move bringing in a Dave, bringing in a Dave Petromala, former Johns Hopkins head coach, a legendary defenseman at Johns Hopkins, was serving as the defensive coordinator at Syracuse. He now gets to coach um, his sons. Nick Petromala is a defenseman on the Carolina team, while Dom Petromala is an attackman who you know, was out last season uh, with an injury as a freshman, should be, uh, you know, as long as we have a 100% healthy return, which we all hope for, should be a fun player to watch uh, for years to come there for 
the Tall Heels. So you've got a lot of movement going on this offseason with North Carolina. And an overhaul, I think I can't really ever think in lacrosse a staff overhaul that we've seen like this. Now, Kevin Understein, who was the D.C., remains on staff uh, there as well. So, you know, you've got the third assistant. They keep him on staff. Um, when you get changes in the offseason, coaching carousel, but also the transfer portal, um, UNC didn't use that as much this year as they had in the past. Um, you know, last year, you get Logan McGovern, you get Sean Goldsmith, you get uh, Harry Welford. Like, there's a lot of guys that come in and are impactful for this North Carolina team last season, um, and especially so offensively. You've also you know, got some guys that came in on the defensive side as well. Andrew Geppert came in from Brown. This year you don't have as much of that. There is three guys they've added. Hartley Jordan, midfielder from VMI. Danny Striano, uh, uh, defensive midfielder from Bucknell. And Nick Morgan, uh, a uh, Division Three All-American uh, from Hamden, Sydney, comes in as a uh, defenseman. So uh, you've got three additions there on the offseason here uh, for North Carolina via the transfer portal. You've got coaching changes. Uh, North Carolina is really, and as I mentioned, two of your top offensive players were grad transfers last year, McGovern and Goldsmith. They're both gone. Geppert is gone. On the defensive end, you've still got Paul Barton back there. Um, However, as one of your top defensemen, uh, Ty English was one of your top uh, defensive midfielders as a sophomore as well last season. He's back. Colin Krieg uh, is back as a senior. And you've also got Andrew Tyre, uh, who returns for a fifth season at the face-off dot. So uh, in terms of like personnel overall, there's certainly talent here on this North Carolina squad. Um, I, I, I think, however... When, when, when I look at this team and I look at North Carolina here in 2024, as we head into 2024, you know, I, I know they're going to be good. Um, I know they're going to be a top 20 team at some point this year, maybe in the preseason, most, li- most likely in the preseason, most likely they're going to be a top 20 team early in the year, right? Like, when you look at the early schedule, we don't have the schedule out right now for North Carolina, but we, you know, do know who they typically do play, right? And I, I think when you look outside of the ACC, uh, considering they play a, a similar schedule, I think they should be pretty good early on, right? Uh, you might have a cupcake game in there to start one or two of them. Uh, they've traditionally played Ohio State, Hopkins, Denver, Brown, teams of that like. Um, you know, I would expect them to play High Point once again uh, this season, possibly even play Queens in a, a newer Division One. there, uh, going to their second year Division One in uh, North Carolina. Uh, they're in Charlotte. So um, 
would expect North Carolina to be good once again non-conference. My question is, are they going to have enough improvement here? Because that's what they're going to need. There's not a ton of guys that they've brought in to come in and just overhaul this team overnight. This is not um, this is not what we've seen from you know a Rutgers or a Syracuse, right? In uh, recent years, in terms of getting a ton of transfers to come in and provide a stopgap, help get these young guys up to speed, help develop these young guys with all these veteran transfers behind them, uh, veteran transfers out in front of them, I should say, leading the way. This is not that situation. This is a different situation here at North Carolina. And look, is this a win now situation? You know, again, I would not necessarily say so. I would not say this is a win-now situation for Joe Bresci. He's got that contract extension. He's got that shored up. But if North Carolina, let's say they go 7-7 seven and seven again in 24, and let's say they go 7-7, 8-6, seven and, seven, and, and and 8-6, if you're the, the last team in the ACC, if you're the worst team in the ACC, the next three years, I think that's it. Most likely it. Uh, this team, this program, wants to get back to winning 10, 11, 13 games a year. They've not done that but one time since 2016, and that was 2021. There's going to have to be a lot of internal improvement offensively and defensively here in 2020. For um, for North Carolina to be success successful, to have the success that they want, and especially so in the ACC, where oftentimes last year it looked like this team is not as talented. Well, I shouldn't say talented, but not as athletic. Not as fast, not as strong as some of these other teams. I mean, you watch that 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 Notre Dame game back. Uh, the, the the last two Notre Dame games, and they lost sixteen to nine and eighteen to nine in South Bend and in Chapel Hill. Lost nineteen twelve to Virginia. They were pretty much on par with 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 Syracuse. I'll say that. Um, in a very young Syracuse team in many, many spots we know. But also a Syracuse team that had a lot of transfers. They're on par with them. And, you know, pick your poison, which one was the worst ACC. I would most I would lean towards North Carolina. You lost 15-8 to Duke. Your arch rival. No, this is a... A program that wants to get back on track. And, you know, I, I think it's would be good for the lacrosse world if they do get back on track. Um, looking at this offense here, uh, first and foremost, you know, you got John Thompson in there. The, you know, personnel, uh, personnel changes year over year. North Carolina's been pretty good, right? Like, they've had top 10, top 15 offenses 
pretty consistently. Uh, Pre-Chris Gray, post-Chris Gray, it's, it's been pretty good. Last season, they averaged 14.64 goals per game. Had a top 10 scoring offense in college lacrosse. Mentioned McGovern and Goldsmith are gone. Well, who does that leave in terms of or your top returners on that offensive end? Well, Lance Tillman's back for the fifth season. And then, and, and this is the guy I want to talk about the most here on, on, on this podcast, really. And, and I'll say this real quick. Don Petramala is also back. Uh, you know, given that he's fully healthy, we want to see him on the field there, see what he can do. But a guy that I have my eye on here for North Carolina, most, m- no, most of all, is James Matan. If you watch what James Matan did last season for North Carolina as a freshman, 18 goals, 12 assists. He had a hat trick against North Carolina. Excuse me, he had a hat trick against Notre Dame, and then also had uh, one, I believe, against. Uh, Dartmouth as well. Like he's been a pretty, he, he was a pretty consistent player last season for the Tar Heels. Started in ten games, played all fourteen. Again, had a hat trick against Brown. It was and Notre Dame had five assists, two goals against Dartmouth. Is is what that was. Those were his best games of the season. And if you watch how he plays, if you watch the um, just, I would say, field awareness of, of where he's at, that one goal on, it was in transition against North, against uh, Notre Dame in South Bend where he had that hat trick. I mean, he steps in. Roll dodges around in transition, gets a better angle, and stings it. Um, like he has that know-all of where to go, where to be, how to create his own shots. There's you know, multiple, multiple goals of him. I believe most of his goals last season came either fighting through contact or having to create his own shot in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, and that includes a couple, you know, dodging from behind the cage, taking his man, turning that corner, and, and, and putting it in the back of the net. And I'll say this, and and I was watching some North Carolina film here recently in preparation for, uh, you know, article coming out, fall snapshot as well as this podcast. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, John Thompson, offensive coordinator, thinking what he did at Air Force, how that offense looked. I'm thinking, you know, who was the leader of that Air Force offense? Brandon Dodd. 63220. Hmm. Okay. Really good using his body. Really good at absorbing contact, creating shots. Okay. And I look at some film here for North Carolina, and I see James Matan using his body, bodying guys up. 63205 is a little bit smaller, a little bit. Maybe I would say more explosive than Dodd in in some areas, but there's some similarities there. Um, so you no, know, James Matan, a guy here for North Carolina that you know, if he stays healthy throughout this entire season, 
if he's a guy that can stay consistent throughout this entire season in 2024, could be a very special player there in Chapel Hill and and maybe one of the more important guys to watch for concerning this offense as we head into fall ball uh, scrimmages as we head into the 2024 season. Now, uh, turning the page to the other end of the field, I am actually not as worried, I should say, about this North Carolina defense as some others may be. So, yes, you lose Andrew Geppert. Yes, you lose Evan Egan, who was a graduate student, and you lose Colin Loghead, who was a senior defenseman for you last year as well. But who's who you get back? You also lose Connor Marr, your top D midfielder. But you get Paul Barton back, your top uh, one of your top poles. You get Ty English back. Had an amazing sophomore season as a defensive midfielder. You get Striano in there from Bucknell as well as, as a grad transfer. You get back your starting goalie in Colin Creek. Now your top LSM, Matt Wright, is gone as well. And look, the majority of the losses are on defense in terms of, you know, greater number of personnel gone. Greater number of impact personnel gone. Alex Breshi is back as well as a defensive midfielder. This is a defense that really took a step forward last season. And I think, you know, Colin Krieg hasn't necessarily had uh, that year. Um, you know, y- y- you look at his career, right? As a freshman in 2021, 53% save percentage. As a sophomore in 2022, 50% save percentage. As a junior in 2023, 47% save percentage. I would say, and just statistically speaking, and this is a team that allowed, what is it, 10 goals per game last season, North Carolina did, as a improved defense. Now, last year wasn't his best his best season overall for Krieg, but this defense, which was a bit more experienced with some of those grad transfers they had there, improved. They did improve under Kevin Understein. You are now getting Dave Petromala to lead your defense. Syracuse had a younger defense last year. You did see improvement there. Wasn't the best defense, but there were some definite some definite positives to take away from that, and a big part of that due to the goalie situation. I think if this goalie situation with with Concrete here at North Carolina, if this improves, if this gets back to that twenty twenty one level, even if he has let's say goes fifty percent this season save percentage, but has a couple nineteen. No 15 uh, save games. Has a couple. No shines in the spotlight, right, is is, is what you want to see. Uh, this is a defense that can still be pretty good with those young guys, 
you look at Paul Bolton as your top D guy, returning Ty English as your top defensive midfielder, returning. I think the pieces around them are going to be able to uh, kind of come together. And what we see saw with Syracuse last year with a younger defense could manifest itself here at North Carolina as well with Petro. Uh, but again, you know, I I may be on the more optimistic side of that than most people. I, I believe I am. Um, but still, as I said, personnel-wise, in terms of who's going to be here, who's going to be there, who's your second, third poll, who's your top LSM, who's, who's this, who's that, there are more questions there. Uh, defensively in a greater number than on offense. Uh, but again, I, I may be a bit more optimistic than some other folks. Concerning North Carolina on that end, I, I think also the fact that you do have a pretty solid uh, situation at the faceoff dot uh, helps you out in a good way as well there on defense for the Tall Heels. Um, kind of close this thing out. Look, again, North Carolina, is it a must-win season? I, you know, no. Some people said last year was, and it wasn't, right? Uh, but it is a season where they're going to have to improve, and it is a season where... A, a, a lot of what we know about North Carolina, we don't know. A lot of what, uh, I should say, a lot of what we, we, we're going to know, we don't right now. And you can say that's the case with every team, but even more so with this team, because there are a lot of what-ifs. There are a lot of wait-and-sees with this team. Are they going to be as competitive against the ACC as they need to be? Can internal improvements with this team get them back to the NCAA tournament? Can internal improvements with this team get North Carolina back on track? Back to competing for ACC championships. Back to winning more than nine ACC games in, what, six, seven years? That's pathetic. And again, if this was college football, that is fireable. North Carolina has a uh, a lot of questions surrounding it here coming into 2024. And uh, again, maybe maybe why, you know, with the coaching changes, with the losses, but with still a solid young core in many places why North Carolina is, for me at least, one of the more interesting teams, not only in the ACC, but in college lacrosse in general, coming into the 2024 season.